The Fringe Festival kicks off tomorrow. How are they dealing with security questions and fewer entertainment dollars? Speaking of entertainment dollars, as Canada awaits to find out if Taylor Swift will come to the Great White North, we discussed with Kevin Donnelly from True North Sports and Entertainment the gigantic economic impact that a big, major, juggernaut show like Taylor Swift has on the community. Latest inflation numbers are in. It's down under 3% for the month of June, but grocery prices still not so hot. So we spoke with a professor of economics on how to analyze these inflation numbers. And Greg's cat was where? We had a lot of fun talking about the weirdest places. We've found our pets. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, July 18th podcast for the start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Tyson Rewicki in for Jeff Fortier today in Master Control. At 6.35, we'll get more into this, but we've got a fascinating story about stampede regrets. I've never been to a Calgary stampede. Greg, I know you have. Yeah, you live in Calgary, you have no choice but to participate. You know, people will try and compare the Red River Axe to the Calgary Stampede. And with all due respect to the Red River Axe, there's no comparison. The Stampede takes over Calgary. And I know people who leave town during Stampede because they don't want to get caught up in it, Loren. So you basically have no choice. Either you get involved or you hide in your house or you simply get out of town. It is that all enveloping. It is something that the city of Calgary does particularly well. They call it the greatest outdoor show on earth for a reason. And when you've got tens of thousands, like they basically have as many people come to stampede on a daily basis as come to the Red River X over the entire nine, 10 days. It's, it, a, it's, it's huge. A, it's a massive event. You know, and I have family out there. They got young kids. They love it as a family because there's lots of things you can do that way. And of course, it is a party, right? So as a young adult, I can only imagine young Greg with his flaxen hair blowing in the wind and a hat <laughs> on his head as he strolled down the avenue. You know, it was a good time. I'm, I'm, I'm just putting words into but But the idea was that it was, it's fun. But what's fascinating, what we're going to get into at 637, and I think whether you've been to Stampede or not, you're going to relate to this in some way about the big events in your life. Like it could be a festival week that you really get into. It could be an all-inclusive that you can go to. It can be wedding weekends and you might over imbibe in all of those. You might um, have a dalliance in those. Wow. But, but there are, there are, there's people in Calgary who say post-Stampede, Calls for alcohol abuse and concerns about substance yeah. abuse go up. Uh, even divorce calls have gone up. And so there's this whole regret thing, Brett, that I think whether you've been to Stampede or not, there might have been a time in your life where you went all in on something and it was too much all in, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely relatable. I mean, anybody who's gone on, uh, you mentioned the all-inclusive, I've been to Mexico and seen some shenanigans uh, from others, sadly, the shenanigans did not really come my way all that much. And I, when I saw that report yesterday, I thought <laughs> my first reaction was, I really wish I'd gone to a Calgary Stampede when I was younger, because it sounds like there's a lot of mistakes being made and I'd be happy to be a part of them. And it's not just for young people. It's a huge, it's a gigantic corporate event as well. It's a time for networking. We talk about golf as being a great opportunity to connect with people and learn a little bit more about them. Well, Stampede is that as well. The pancake breakfasts, they're sponsored by major corporations, people from Toronto and Vancouver, all the head honchos from the corporations uh, from across the country and around the world will come to Stampede. They come to Calgary specifically at that time of year. So not only is it for young people to have fun, it's a corporate, it's a gigantic corporate event as well, which which can lead to uh, a, a lot of the word uh, being bandied about, I guess, it are shenanigans, no doubt about it. So we'll have more on that at 635. By the way, the attendance this year, 1.38 million people, just shy of the 2012 record attendance of uh, a little over 1.4 million. So Not too shabby. Not too shabby indeed. That's a lot. I didn't realize that was uh, how many people went to the stampede. So more on that at 635. 
Also today, Tuesday, was breakfast to the Bombers. What are we talking about today? Johnny Augustine will join us. Now, Johnny has been with the Blue Bombers his entire CFL career. I think this is the start of his sixth year, fifth season, or sixth season, seventh year with the Blue Bombers. The point is this. He is probably one of the top 10, 11, 12 running backs in the Canadian Football League. He could probably start in an, on a lot of other teams, but he chooses to stay in Winnipeg to get his opportunities. He's amazing on special teams, and he's an incredible teammate. He's also a realtor and an actor. Oh. So we'll find out oh. about his off-field life a little bit. Johnny Augustine, who just turned 30 years old earlier this month, will join us at 7.37. Stage actor? Film actor? Commercial actor? No idea. I have no Mining idea. in the Fringe Festival? We'll have to ask these questions. Fringe Festival. are getting things all set in Old Market Square. One of my favorite times of the year, the Fringe. I think it gets underway Thursday or Friday. Cannot wait. Yeah, that's right. That starts, it looks like, uh, tomorrow. Is tomorrow? The, yeah. Wednesday, oh. July 19th oh. to uh, the 30th. So that's a, that'll be big. I was wondering what was what was happening down there as I looked down. Like, oh, yeah. Makes sense. That makes sense now. Uh, so Fringe Festival coming up on Breakfast of the Bombers at 7.35. And then a bit later on at 9.35, we are still waiting, maybe, sort of, potentially, for Taylor Swift to come to Winnipeg, Canada. I, I oh, yeah, like, she's, coming to, she's coming to Winnipeg. I don't know. She's, she, could you somebody, imagine? No, I can't. If we got chosen out of all the Canadian cities, and I don't mean any disrespect to... To Winnipeg at all, you know we all love our city, but it she has not made any decision to come north of the border, and there have been pleas from politicians. Even Prime Minister Trudeau tweet, tweeted at her recently again, saying "Make a call." She has said, and ET Canada reported there there um, that she's maybe adding the Canadian date. So we're just you know, Greg, speculating, hoping, wondering what that could do for someone's economy. Well, and that's the thing: whether you want to see Taylor Swift or not. This is from an NBC News story from uh, last week. Taylor Swift's Eras Tour is boosting the United States economy. Ticket sales for Swift concerts have been so explosive. One Federal Reserve official said the pop superstore is helping fuel the national tourism industry. And back in June, Chicago's official tourism and marketing organization, Choose Chicago, said the first weekend in June broke hotel occupancy records. Thanks to events, including Swift's sold-out shows at Soldier Field. So it's it's not only her billion-dollar tour, it's what's going on in the cities around the tour that has uh, officials, politicians saying, come, come here, pick us, please. So Kevin Donnelly from True North will join us at 9.35 to talk more about the economic impact that a big show like that has on our community and on our province. As the party tents come down and the cowboy boots come off, the effects of stampede may linger longer than some would like. Global's Sarah Often has more on how people are managing those Calgary stampede regrets. After 10 days of indiscretion, late night music, deep fried everything, and I'm just stuffed with joy, and drinks that seem to make two-stepping a breeze, for many, there's now some cleanup to do. You can honestly tell it's, the, the din is different. Everyone's tired. Everybody in three, two, one. Barry's gym is seeing the post stampede rush after many fitness commitments momentarily fell off the horse around Calgary. People a little, maybe a little bit slower in transitions, kind of getting from the tread back to the floor, that sort of thing. Wellness Week and various boot camps now hope to return many from their 10-day detour. doesn't matter what you did for the last 10 days, but it matters kind of how you bounce back from that. Alberta Gaming Liquor and Cannabis can't say exactly how much alcohol is consumed over the course of the stampede. But the fallout from all that partying can sometimes take more than just exercise to correct. For an individual in early recovery, it's definitely going to be a challenge to have those triggers and to see those triggers up front and, and, and right in front of your face. Recovery Acres is currently expanding its offerings as it continues to deal with the post-pandemic demand for addiction recovery services. There are three main times of year when we see a, a substantial uptick in, in the amount of people requesting our services. Uh, one, of course, is Christmas. 
Another one is when it turns cold. And a third one is the weeks following Stampede Week. For many, fortunately, the wagon isn't far from the stable. Most are simply grateful for an opportunity to let loose, with a restriction-free crowd eager to take in everything Stampede celebrations have to offer. I regret not trying the Dunkaroo mini donuts. Yeah, those sounded so good. Sarah Offen, Global News. I mean, when you look at the numbers, it's quite compelling. Over the weekend, they were talking about this one group that works with alcohol abuse and, and substance abuse and addictions folks, and their calls jumped 20% post-Stampede. And they actually have a booth that they set up at Stampede to sort of prepare for that, which is really telling and in a kind of uncomfortable way. And if I just looked at divorce rates post-Stampede, guys, there's all sorts of articles. Uh, there's one consulting uh, counseling group that talks about how they call it the Stampede effect um, because, you know, it's not cheating, it's stampeding is the line. And by that, they mean it's a stampede towards get me out of this marriage because of what have happened. And so there's the fun side where you might just eat too much and maybe have a couple extra two drinks and think, okay, I need to get back on track and be healthy. And then there's a whole other unhealthy side to it. Well, my, my best friend in Calgary met his wife at Stampede over 20 years ago. So that's the good side of it. But when you talk about doing things you normally wouldn't do, you know, my... I was 31 years old, uh, would have been my third stampede, but my first one in the, in the corporate world. And I'll, I'll just put it this way. My mom came to visit me. She got to Calgary at 6 a.m. on a Thursday. I didn't see her again until 8 a.m. the following day, even though I had a dinner date with her. I got into all sorts of trouble <laughs> that night. My mom called hospitals, my friends. She even called the police looking for me <laughs> and the police <laughs> said to my mom, ma'am, it is stampede. You know, she's extolling my virtues as a young man. And I, I, he never does this. Even when he was a kid, he always came home when he said he would come home. I got caught up in the whole thing and I was out all night at 31 and my mom was worried about me, but that was the bottom line. Ma'am, it, it is stampede. Yeah. There's something weird about Fest, uh, festivals like this or going on vacation. I remember when I was 28, the, it's the only time I've been to Mexico and it's a place where you've been, Greg, it was Mazatlan. And uh, just based on the way that the, the tour worked or whatever, like I kept seeing the same people every time we went out because there was a group that was going from hotel to hotel encouraging the Canadian tourists. Okay, we've got a night lined up at this bar and then tomorrow we'll take you here. Etc. Etc. And the first night at, uh, I believe the club is called Bora Bora, the outdoor one. And there were some girls uh, who we saw on the plane who were running around having the clearly a very good time and good for them. I mean, they we were on, in Mexico, but on like when we got back, when we were standing in the waiting for our luggage, we could hear one of the girls. We, we and we saw she looked visibly distraught. And we could hear her say, I'm going to have to break up with him. I, I just, I can't, how, how can I go ahead in this relationship? Because she clearly, <laughs> she clearly enjoyed herself a little too much. But that's, I think, what happens. A lot of people just a switch kind of goes off and the, the rules of the world do not apply. So I guess that's what sounds like that's what's going on in uh, Calgary, Loren. The whole what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And there's the extreme, right? Like where you might end up having a breakup or a divorce out of it. But I do think many of us will go into, and I'll put my hand up for this, right? Like you see the holiday season coming, I like at Christmas, and you just sort of give, put, the, give, put the give up signal. Like it's December 5th. Yeah. I'll just throw all my like plans to eat healthy and, you know, not have a drink during their week week or whatever out the window. And then the next thing you know, like a month goes by and you're like, whew, Christmas is like long over. And I, you know, you got this extended bad habit that you've got yourself into, which I think is part part of what like some of the experts are saying. It's one thing to have your fun time. It's another when it like the stampede week becomes stampede summer. I gained twenty pounds in November, December of last year. Really, hey? Yeah. Uh, no- I gained 20 pounds last week on vacation. So. <laughs> yeah, no, no, well, because November was just such a gloomy, awful month. Sure. So I just sat on the couch and stuffed my face. And and then uh, like January 1st or January 2nd, I put on a, a piece of clothing that 
was way too tight. Like, what happened here? So I've spent the last seven months trying to work it off. I've dropped 15 of those pounds, but it go it it just when you, November, the gloomy November combined with the fun of December meant Brett enjoyed himself a little too much. I can remember coming back from Mazatlan. I was about 25, 26. The uh, spring break that we spent in Mazatlan, me and uh, a couple of buddies. And that Mexico mode went for about two weeks after I got back. Right. And now <laughs> when I come back from vacation, I need a break from my break. I, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I said last June after we got back from my summer vacation that I need to get things under control. And it's July of the following year. So. <laughs> Loren is living her best life right now. That's, Am I? It's well, going to be a shorter life at this rate. Well, that's all I can ascertain from what you shared with us in the last couple of minutes, McNabb. So feel free to weigh in on this uh, because this is a conversation that will be continuing throughout the day on 680 CJOB. Vacation Stampede Regrets. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Greg Mackling, where did you find your cat the other day? <laughs> it's in the garage. I come into the mudroom laundry room. Jackie's doing some laundry, and I guess she just put something in the dryer. And she says, what is that thud in the dryer? I said, I don't know. You should probably check it out, though. <laughs> Continue on my way to do my things. And then I hear this gasp, and she comes out holding the cat in a bundle of towels. Oh, no. I go, was it the cat? It was the cat. It was Kelly. Oh, no. She was in the dryer. What if I hadn't checked? <laughs> she would have died. So now I'm calling uh, Callie's new nickname is Bounce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it would have ruined the laundry. Well, uh, it would have oh, ruined gosh. the laundry because she does shed <laughs> quite a bit. So you're right. But guess what? In the typical cat fashion, not even 40 minutes later, she's sitting, watching Jackie fold laundry, mewing, wanting to get right back in that dryer. <laughs> she had her five tickets out. She goes, I want back on that ride. It was really good. <laughs> All right. So your question this morning for a chance to win bomber tickets for Thursday's game against Edmonton. The weird places you have found your pet or have you ever had just a weird situation like that? Like I remember when I had a dog, um, let him out. It was in the winter. I don't know how cold it was, but it certainly wasn't pleasant outside. And uh, I nodded off on the couch for like 45 minutes. I woke up and ran to the door. He's There he was just sitting there quietly. <laughs> let him in. He was wagging his tail. He was okay. Thank, thank God. It was only 45 minutes. Dude. Yeah. Bark. Well, I don't know if, it, if that would have helped. I probably would. I probably slept through it. So anyway, I, I've, that happened 11 years ago, and I will never forgive myself for that. Uh, so tell us a story at 204-780-6868. Sarah McCarthy, why don't we start with you? Yeah, when we got my dog as a puppy, there was this little, we have a fenced-in yard at my parents' house, but there was this little tiny area where probably a puppy could get through and he did on like the first within the first few days he was very smart figured it out and so we're running all over to the neighbors like have you seen the little tiny golden retriever puppy and we eventually find him and he has a dead bird in his mouth <laughs> and he's <laughs> eaten away on it I guess he started retrieving early but uh it was already dead so that was an unpleasant sight high achiever <laughs> yeah high achiever <laughs> cam uh, I, you know, I've had cats my whole life. I love cats. Um, joking, of course, when I was mentioning about, you know, Greg's cat ruining the laundry if you got caught in there. So, of course, I'm kidding. But uh, um, my, my cats would always get out, particularly Yoda, um, who is my dad's cat. And Yoda was a complete... Like, he was crazy. Like, he was absolutely insane. Like, he was a daredevil. He was... Like, if he would have been one of those cats, like, that was, like, in the bush... And was like living in the bush that actually would have been the best place for him because, you know, very aggressive, like a, a total sweetheart. Like I would I would describe him as a cat lover's cat. Like you if you didn't love cats and like how their entire like he was a cat on he was a cat of a cat of a cat. Like he just had all the stereotypes and all that sort. And I loved him. 
but he was crazy, like an absolute daredevil. And one day we're wondering where the heck, and he was like Houdini, right? He would get out and you wouldn't even know how you did it. You couldn't even figure out. So one time we're running around the house looking for him and we go, okay, well maybe he got out. We go outside and he's in a tree. And I wouldn't say this was even a tree. I would say it was a tall sapling because the branches were so thin and there's Yoda on top of the tree on these thin branches. It's like he's on a tightrope and his legs are all moving at the same time and he's balancing on these bouncing branches. It's like, first of all, how did you get up there? And second of all, why did you go up there? What is the purpose of you being up there? So we had to, I had to get on a ladder, climb on top of the roof and get him off. And I get up and he goes, like, yeah, okay, Yoda, you want to stay up here. Like, this is a good idea. And then he came, he comes down, but uh, he was completely nuts. Like he was so wild. Um, like the stuff he would get into, anyways. Yoda, cats. Loren, what about you? Yeah, we lose him in the house, like because he's he's like eighty five pounds at least, but he's chocolate color, chocolate lab moose. And we had a, up until last year, we had a dark hardwood floor, but we also have dark couches in both upstairs and downstairs and just this morning he scared the living bejesus out of me because i couldn't find him as i was like moose let you go out and all of a sudden he just pops up off the brown couch because he blends in like he's camouflaged <laughs> and he's like he's so you'll sit on him you'll trip over him when he's on a certain color of floor i i, I went for a walk with him at the lake he's sitting in the dirt i didn't see him like he just he's this like crazy dog but every once in a while i was like i'm just gonna see what happens if i just sit here and then he scares you. It's weird. I, we don't like he doesn't show up in weird spots. It's a perfectly normal spot, and you don't see him there. And I think he likes it. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. A stealthy eighty pound dog. Yes. No, I'm <laughs> telling you. Like I've sat on him. Like I've gone to go sit down because you have the lights low and you're about to watch a show, and he's just sitting right on that couch. <laughs> I can I, I can still hear my mom cursing, just weaving a tapestry of obscenity at our dog Muffy. Uh, in the kitchen because she was always, I mean, uh, you know, dogs, they're always right behind you when you're sure, cooking mm-hmm. stuff because they're hoping you're going to drop something. And my mom tri- almost, well, she did trip on her. I don't think she fell, but she almost dropped everything and uh, almost killed the dog. Ah, good memories. <laughs> for, uh, Tyson in for Forte. What about you? You got one? Is your microphone on? We can't yeah, hear your you. Your mic's not. There we go. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, one of my family's first dogs that we had, it was an Easter morning and we had, we had pizza the night before and he was just a tiny guy. Like he was maybe 15 pounds and we all come downstairs for Easter breakfast and he had eaten a whole pizza, a whole large pizza <laughs> and, he was, oh my gosh. and he was just laying on the floor filled to the brim with pizza and he was, he was, you could tell that he immediately was regretting it, but he wasn't at the same time. It was... He, I've never seen it that small of a dog eat that much food and like. Sorry, what kind of dog? He, it was a miniature labradoodle, so it oh, was like, really small. yeah, like yeah. it was probably like fifteen pounds, couple inches off the ground. <laughs> oh. Was he sick? <laughs> did, he, did you give he, him? Did he? Did he get? Did he take his lactate pills? Oh, he, he needed them after that. He was, <laughs> he, was on, he was on a new prescription after that incident. What kind of pizza? Oh, I, I don't even remember. It's probably. Knowing my family, it was probably something pretty gross. He obviously but. liked it, though. Oh, Dog. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, you know what? I, I'm about to say something I never thought I would say based on the text coming in, but I think I might need to get a cat based on the shenanigans some of these animals are up to. One of our listeners saying, my neighbor was just leaving with the boat when I opened up my drapes one morning. As I watched him pull away, I noticed my cat sitting quite hoppily in the back of the boat. <laughs> She's like, I'm off the lake. I'll see you on Monday. See you later, suckers. Make sure my food is ready and plentiful and my litter box is clean when I get back on Monday. I need a cat. Signed, the Emperor. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We got a quick rental text from a listener and then a crazy uh, pet story uh, from listener Todd. We'll start with Steve, Greg. I do sales for marketing for property management outfit, and our vacancy rate is essentially zero. We specialize in 55 plus, and we have hundreds of people on a wait list, which is at this point minimum three years long. I just moved a family in yesterday, and the only reason they are renting is because they don't want a house due to the high interest rates. And this is not a young family. They are middle-aged with teenage children. 
Steve says the market is definitely changing. And then on the question of weird places you've found your pet, Loren, what does Todd say? A family friend was the owner of a dog that chewed absolutely everything. The owner should not have got the dog in the first place as he was very busy with work and didn't have the time to properly train this dog because it chewed through doors inside the house, chewed the back of his couch, wrecked his shoes and boots, and pretty much everything else it could get its hands on or mouth on. Eventually, the decision was made to give this dog up to the Humane Society so it could have a proper home. Fast forward a few days and our friend comes home from work to find this dog sitting on the step of his house like a scene from a horror movie. It turns out his neighbor's kids missed the dog so much they went down and adopted it. The dog decided to chew a hole through the fence and return home. (laughs) Can you imagine? I thought you were out of my life forever. (laughs) <laughs> Excellent story. You, you would think that was a horror film, right? Like, rah, rah, the dog's just sitting there like, you can't get rid of me. Are you feeling any relief when it comes to the cost of living right now? Or are the bills just coming in fast and furious and higher than months past? So as we've been telling you for the past half hour or so, Statistics Canada just released new numbers. They show that the inflation rate has dropped to 2.8% in June, which puts it within the Bank of Canada's target range and, and, and Ottawa's range. And it was just a few months ago, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was actually on this show saying that the inflation rate would, you know, hit that 3% range by this summer. So we're there, but that doesn't mean prices are lower. They're, they're just, dropping slightly and still higher than they were year over year. So what are we supposed to make from all this? Well, Moshe Lander is an economics professor with Concordia University and joins us now. Good morning, Moshe. Hello. So the numbers, I suppose, you know, every time I hear them month over month, I I try not to laugh cynically or maniacally, you might say, because nothing feels like it's affordable right now. What do we make when we see this kind of data? Yeah, so what we're seeing is that prices are continuing to rise. They're just not rising as quickly. So I think there's a misconception out there that when the inflation rate is falling, we somehow think that prices are falling, and they're not. So you're not maniacally wrong to to be that way. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's important to recognize that, yeah, prices are on average rising just slower than they were last year. Okay, Moshe, help me out because averages and math and that sort of thing uh, are not necessarily my expertise, but I I like to play with numbers. And if, you know, the two biggest expenses, three in my house are uh, automobile, my food, and my mortgage. So if my mortgage rate is going up more than 2.8%, which they're telling me is the rate of inflation, if my food is still going up 9%, and my automobile costs are maybe staying the same or going up at the rate of inflation, that doesn't average out to me. Something The math doesn't work for me. Can you help me with the math? Sure. So actually, gasoline prices tumbled. Uh, and so that's the thing that's uh, keeping the inflation rate down at 2.8%. So you're right. Food prices are rising faster than inflation. You're right that uh, your mortgage costs are rising faster. But Uh, There's a bunch of other stuff in the basket beyond just gasoline, too. And so those things are also rising by less than 2.8%. But it's the headline numbers that are are shocking Canadians. Like you said, you know, when food is rising 9%, uh, we could say that the average price is only rising 2.8% because there are things falling and things that are staying near that 2.8% number. Uh, But it's the headline one that grabs us, right? I guess if I want to give you a bad analogy, if I told you, that, you know, the class average on a test is 70 percent, means some are above and some are below. But, you know, everyone gets drawn to the person who gets like the 99 rather than everybody else who's getting 67 and 68. So it's that sort of situation that we're seeing right now with these numbers. When the Bank of Canada raised the, the key rate last week, uh, Greg mentioned, how did you put it, Greg? It feels like we're trading one form of inflation for another. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you th- say to that uh, statement, Moshe? So it's not that we're necessarily trading one form of inflation for another. It's we're trading where we're feeling the inflation. So, uh, you know, as, as was just mentioned, we're feeling it now as part of our mortgage costs are rising. And so that's now the source of inflation. I think uh, that particular one was up over 30 percent. 
So where last month we would have been crying about the, the food prices going up so quickly, now that seems rather tame at only growing 9% when it's mortgage that's going up. But remember, it, it is an average uh, that, that's the inflation number. And so uh, we're just seeing the inflation showing up in different places. The good news, if there is good news, is because the Bank of Canada seems to be suggesting that they're essentially done with interest rate hikes, as people reset their mortgage, those numbers should level off now. They might level off at a higher number, but once they start leveling off, that source of inflation will disappear in the coming 12 months. You you said 12 months just now, Moshe. So is that where I should be circling back? You know, by this time next July, X, Y, and Z should be cheaper, or at least not as much as it is right now. Is that how long it might take? Well, I hope it's not 12 months before we talk next, so you don't have to circle <laughs> in. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it, it, there's a bunch of things then that are going to start to cap off, right? So um, depending on when you renewed your mortgage or what the nature of your mortgage is, you could see this uh, cap off within the next three weeks, right? So, uh, for example, I have a variable rate mortgage. So the last 18 months have been really tough. But if this truly is the end or the near end of the, the interest rate hikes, the amount that I'm paying right now is not going to change much. So I've probably experienced the end of that uh, source of inflation. If you have a fixed rate mortgage and your term isn't up for three years, then it might be in three years' time that you have to renew at a higher interest rate, uh, and meaning your mortgage payments will go up. So three years from now, you might be saying, wait a second, I thought we were done with inflation. It's just when your mortgage comes due. So uh, I, I'm just saying 12 months on average, but again, it's an average. I've seen some experts really questioning this last rate hike to the you know to meet this 22-year high to 5%. Did the Bank of Canada get it wrong? Maybe in light of the numbers we're seeing today, can you justify one decision over the other? Sure. So here's where we can start playing games with averages, right? So remember my analogy that you know the student that gets 99 and everybody else is getting 68 generates the class average. What we start doing is we start saying, well, if you take out the 99, the class average was only 68. Or if you take out one of those 68, the class average rises. And we start playing these games, right? So if you take out that mortgage interest component, inflation was only 2%, which is what the Bank of Canada wants. So if you want to challenge the Bank of Canada for increasing interest rates, we would say, well, take out the mortgage cost business, and you probably didn't need to do it. The Bank of Canada's pushback is going to say, yeah, but if you take out the tumbling gasoline price, inflation was 4%. So when the Bank of Canada is making this decision, right, they can't start parsing numbers and take this out or take that one out. What they're doing is they're saying, look, if we are looking out 12 months, if we are looking out 18 months, we think that inflation might continue to remain in this 3% range. And so if we do want to get it down to 2%, which is what we've experienced over the better part of the last 30 years, this last nudge will be enough so that 18 months out, when it's fully felt its way through the economy, we should be at 2%. That's what they're forecasting. Moshe Lander is an economics professor with Concordia University. Moshe, thank you very much for the time and the insight. We appreciate it. Anytime. Question of the day results yesterday. Do you still have a landline? 45.69% of respondents at cjob.com say 45 or say yes. And I live in Winnipeg. So 45.69% say yes, I still have a landline and I'm in Winnipeg. 21.98% say yes, I live outside of Winnipeg. 18% no, I live in Winnipeg. And 14% no, I live outside of Winnipeg. But that first one, 40, almost 46% say yeah. Lots of listeners in River Heights. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. It pays to have a landline depending on where you live in the city. And that that was yesterday's question. The new question that just went up at CJOB.com. Are you seeing any relief on grocery prices lately? Yes, quite a bit. Somewhat or nope. So you can cast your vote at CJOB.com. We're also asking you to tell us about a weird place you found your pet. For those just tuning in, Greg, where did you find your cat, Callie? In the dryer. And not just like founder in the dryer. Jackie had fired up the dryer and asked, what is that thumping sound? <laughs> Callie did a couple turns around the world inside her little her dryer universe there and jumped out and 
want to back in <laughs> not long after. So what can you say? These cats uh, are, are different. Let's, let's stop there. So this is an interesting story from Karen Passion. This is about our turtle, Stretch. He was a small guy, fit in the palm of your hand. Like all turtles do, Stretch used to poke his head out of his shell. My daughter was trying to provoke him to do this when he stretched his head out and bit her finger. She screamed and whipped her hand. Stretch went flying. We looked and looked for him with no luck. Stretch disappeared. About a week later, my mom was over and we were getting some snacks. She pours the crackers into a bowl. And out comes Stretch. I guess his flight landed him in the cracker box. (laughs) We almost lost my mom that day. She jumped out of her skin for sure. But we found Stretch. Kids were happy. Mom recovered. Stretch lived a long, happy life with no more airborne incidents. (laughs) What a great name for a turtle, too. (laughs) They they kind of, they do. They just kind of, right, Loren? They kind of stick their head out. They kind of look up at you and then... And you keep waiting for them to do something. They don't. Do something, turtle. They're like, no. Like every time I see a turtle in the water, I feel like it needs to be checked to see if it's alive. And it could sit like that for years. Turtles. That's a neat story. Cracker box. That's weird. Good good one, Karen. Keep those coming. Weird places you found your pets for a chance to win bomber tickets. We're going to pick a winner at 9.15. But as we speak... And we can see it from up here, the 30th floor at 201 Portage. The Exchange District, Greg, is undergoing a makeover. And this is the makeover, and this is the festival that I will say year after year is a true indication of what we can be when we want to be it as a city. I know you can't necessarily run the Fringe Festival in the middle of January, Loren. But when I am down at the festival and have taken my kids there, I've been there. I went to the, I remember the very first Fringe Festival. It's one of those times when if you're downtown and you just kind of let yourself imagine and dream and think, you could be just about in any big city in North America, and it is absolutely glorious. Yeah, so the setup is happening now. The Fringe Festival gets underway officially tomorrow. I think the time is 5.30, but I next guest should know best, Chuck McEwen, executive producer. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning. So tell us, uh, before we get into what's going down this year, how much sleep do you get in the lead-up to this versus during the Fringe Festival? Are you already exhausted? Yeah, me uh, and our team are really working hard these days. Uh, I was in the office at 10 to 7 this morning, and I'll be here probably till about 1 a.m. every night for the next, I don't know, two and a half weeks. So, Chuck, uh, one of the serious questions I think we have to ask you about, downtown safety, it's, it's a concern 365 days a year. How are you at the Fringe Festival managing that? Are you doing anything differently this year that you can share with us? Well, you know, the Fringe has been, in, uh, the home of the Fringe has been the Exchange District for our entire 36 years. So it's something we're very familiar with and comfortable with here as producers. And I think most festival goers that have been coming for many years uh, are, are familiar and comfortable in our neighborhood. There are some newer concerns, obviously. And I think we've put in place over the last few years uh, some enhanced safety measures late at night. We've reduced our late night start times so that most people will get out of the venue at the end of the night by about 11 o'clock, 11.30, so the buses are still running on normal schedules. Uh, We've got supervised bike parking until 12.30 in the morning. Uh, So we've done a few things to sort of help uh, fringers be comfortable if they're not overly familiar with the neighborhood, but we think the exchange is a great place to to host the festival. A lot of people in this community, I I have no doubt, probably uh, have maybe even never been to the Fringe Festival. So for somebody who maybe hasn't been or, or might not even be entirely familiar with what is the Fringe Festival, what's the, the, the elevator pitch? What's the Fringe Festival? <laughs> well, you know what? We're an independent performing arts festival. Uh, we include about this year 143 indoor companies from across Canada and around the world. Plus, we've got all of our entertainment in Old Market Square from noon till midnight every day. We've got street performers and bands, and we've got kids' fringe activities. So we're we're a, a pretty all-encompassing performing arts festival. There's something for everybody at the Fringe. So you talk about there's the indoor and outdoor. So first of all, if I come down to just the exchange, I can walk around and just see performers. There's the food trucks and all the rest. For is that that part's for free, correct? That's that's right. We have street performers and bands all day, every day, and that's past the hat. Uh, the performers will pass the hat at the end of their show, and then from noon till three, uh, July 20th to 29th. 
Uh, we've got free kids' fringe activities, some crafts, some games, some workshops, things like that. So that's all, you know, if, if you don't have any money in your pocket, that's fine. You can come out and enjoy the day. And then the shows themselves, like what's the range there in terms of not just the cost, Chuck, but you know, the variety we might see? Well, that's just it. You know, with 143 indoor performing companies, uh, you're going to see everything from your standard dramas and comedies and improv to dance, multimedia, spoken word, clown, cabaret, you name it, you can find it on stage at the Fringe, as well as styles, subject matter. So uh, really, there is something for everybody. Uh, you know, like if you have never been before, you can go online, you can sort of peruse all the show descriptions and something will jump out at you for sure. And ticket prices were very affordable still. You know, tickets are $12 at the door. If you're 25 and under, you can get a ticket at the door for just $10. And some shows have uh, seniors discounts, matinee discounts. It's all in the program and on the website as well. So, you know, it's still quite accessible and affordable for, for the community, I think. So, Chuck, the Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival is the largest in the world. We were going back and forth with Edmonton for so many yep. years with regard to the largest, most attended in Canada. I've got friends coming from Alberta, not this weekend, but in two weekends. Uh, can can I flex some muscle here? Can I do some bragging or not? No, not this year. I think Edmonton is still going to be number one in North America. We're still going to be number two, uh, but that's great. You know, I, I think, you know, it's funny that we're, we're similar kinds of communities. Uh, we're we're very, a very strong and large arts supporting communities. Um, uh, and I think it really stands out that the two largest uh, fringe festivals in North America are in the heart of the prairies here in Canada, which is pretty incredible. Are you closing any streets? Uh, not this year. We've got our lane closure along Old Market Square Park, but, uh, but this year we're, we're just focusing on the, the basic activities we've always had in the park, plus our indoor shows. Uh, and we've got a few new things this year that, uh, if you have a chance, I'd love to, to share with you. Well, go for, go for it. What are they? Very good. Well, again, on the affordability side, we know a lot of people, you know, their budgets are stretched thin. Um, and so we've introduced, with the performers, three special pay-what-you-can events this year. And the first one is we've got our kids' venue at MTYP with, uh, with five plays for kids 12 and under. Uh, advanced tickets are $12 and $6, but for every performance at the door, it'll be pay what you can. So if the shows aren't sold out, you can show up and you can pay what you can for your for your family to see a show at the kids' venue. We've also got a fringe open, night, open mic night for 10 performances, and at-the-door tickets for adults are pay what you can as well. And we've got a, self, uh, a self-toured Sherlock Holmes experience, which is also a pay what you can event. So we're very happy to be able to provide these affordable options this year for the first time ever. All right. Where can we go online to get more information, Chuck? Well, it's all on winnipegfringe.com. We open tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, the first shows will start off around 5.30 p.m., but the Old Market Square kicks off at noon. Chuck McEwen, executive producer of the Fringe Festival, which starts tomorrow. Chuck, have a blast. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. My pleasure. I look forward to seeing you in the park. 846, Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And indeed, it one of those things like i know we've it's festival after festival in winnipeg over the summer and that's what makes uh, part of what makes our summers great but fringe is uh one of the biggest so it's so exciting it's um it's exquisite in its simplicity to a certain extent but the the performers that are out trying to convince you to go to yes. their shows it's yes. so awesome like it is it's pure capitalism <laughs> In the middle of this of this theater festival, and I, I just I just love it. There's there's no shyness. That's we never for sure. even got into the food, let alone the performance. So yes. Oh yeah. The food trucks and all the rest. You could just go down there and people watch and really enjoy, like and enjoy several hours in a row. Yeah, the cube stage. Or eat. Yeah, the cube stage. You've always got entertainment going on there. There's always something or another going on. You can go down, like you say, you don't have to even go into any of the indoor shows and you can enjoy any evening or a day, an afternoon, whatever you want to do. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In our next segment, we're giving away bomber tickets. We've been asking you today for the fun topic to tell us a story about a weird place you found your pet. And it's apropos that on this day that we're talking about your pets, that 
we got this fabulous news from the Winnipeg Humane Society. We had them on last week because they were full, like full. They, they described it as a crisis, uh, they, 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 something they haven't seen in years, maybe ever. And uh, GMAC, what's the update from the Winnipeg Humane Society? So this is from one of our colleagues who says, I just want to share some great news with everyone. After Winnipeg Humane Society was on the air with us last Thursday, I received the following email. We so appreciated being able to come live on CJOB and Global Television to spread the word on our adoptable animals and shelter capacity. Because of this help, we adopted out 157 animals last week. 73 animals on the weekend with many adopters mentioning seeing or hearing us on the shows. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Winnipeg. Thank you, Manitoba, for responding in this time of need, this time of absolute crisis for the Winnipeg Humane Society. We talk about our listeners all the time, Loren, their extended family, and boy, oh boy, they, they never disappoint, but they, they do surprise us from time to time just how generous they are and, and how quickly they act in a time of crisis and a time of need within our community. I mean, we're always so full of thanks when someone responds with, you know, $5 cash or 20 or 50 to anything that we might be working to help an organization fundraise for. That's tremendous in itself. But the investment, long-term investment that goes into a pet is something else entirely. So they're just, you know, sometimes you hear the right story about the right pet. I mean, as much as I've complained about moose, every time the Humane Society comes into town, I'm like... If there were ovaries for dogs, I'd be my. They would be ticking to get another one every time I see I them. I can't so. believe this. I know. <laughs> I know. I believe me. I cannot believe it myself. I just said to you guys on air a couple hours ago that I might need to get a cat. I mean, what is wrong with me? What is going on? <laughs> this transformation has been extraordinary, and I'm loving every minute of it. It's just because, you know, as much, it's like the same, you know, every time you complain about your pet, five seconds later, they do something hilarious. Like they know enough to know that I've pushed this as far as I can go. I better like do some sort of like da, 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 clown dance and she'll be back on my side again. <laughs> well, and, and the, like you talk about the long-term investment, but what a terrific investment uh, because, you know, all these people who have gone out and adopted pets from the Humane Society now will have... Uh, companions for many years. Hopefully they're great companions and many fond memories shall be formed. Like all the fun, like we're, we have so many stories. I'm trying so hard to keep up on our texts today, but it's just impossible because there are just too many. And, and the, the memories that they're sharing then trigger memories of our own. Like for example, Tammy V near Larders sent a picture saying, this is my dog Brixton. In the bathtub in my camper, she could hear thunder in the distance and she didn't know where to hide because she wasn't at home because during a thunderstorm at home, she hides in my walk-in closet. So, <laughs> And that reminded me of a time I was house-sitting for some friends to take care of their dog, Norman, whom I referred to as Stormin Norman because he was this big, grumpy German shepherd who would bark at everyone because he had to protect the home and he wanted to make sure you knew, do not come near this home but whenever there was a thunderstorm, he became this big sucky baby who would he, he like he would when I would go to sleep, he'd leave me alone. He'd sleep in the living room. But when there was a storm, he'd come limping in and then he'd jump up on the bed to curl up right beside me and take up almost the whole bed. Of course. But uh, it's just, you know, one of those things I hadn't thought about in years, thought of it instantly. And it's just a, it's a treasured memory. And, uh, you know, all of the wonderful things that these animals bring us. Yeah, they're a pain sometimes. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But uh, and I think the joy outweighs, hopefully outweighs the pain for Constant you. I, entertainment. I said to someone, so I was up the lake last week. This couple goes by with their dog. They've got like a wiener dog. And I said, oh, I always wanted one of those. And they said, well, we actually had a dog like yours and at the lab. And we just lost him last year, 12 years. We loved him uh, or 10 years. I can't recall. And I said, oh, everyone keeps telling me that they'll calm down after two years. But we're two and a half in and I haven't seen it. When did your lab calm down? And their answer was near the end. And I'm like, of what? And they said his life. <laughs> I was like, oh, so I'll just have to wait for, you know. A little longer for him to just to settle. Moose is settle moose. In. You better get used to I his personality. So. This is Someone just gave who us he is. this two year deadline. Like, uh, don't worry, once they get to two years, sure. they'll be better. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. And now it's two and a half. I'm like, I'm not, uh, I am not seeing it, but. Now, speaking of larger dogs, the dog that the Humane Society brought in and Brett featured it on his social media. We shared it widely. Um, Kilo was the name yep. of that dog. We're working to find out if Kilo find, found a home. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that Kilo was the first of all those animals to get a home, getting a new home. So we'll find out for you for sure. And, and Kilo we'll confirm or Hilo? Kilo. I'm going to text them now. I'll find out. Yeah, because uh, we Kilo was a beautiful dog. Uh, what kind of, I can't even remember what, it was a mix of some sort? Yeah, but I, Doberman? Was there, yeah, it was, was a Doberman, Doberman? that's right. Yeah. It was a Doberman, but it uh, didn't have the, what do you call that, boxed ears? Um, yeah. Yeah, it didn't have that. His pointed, yes, had the pointy ears, right? And uh, he was just a, a beautiful dog, calm, eight years old. So I think that often ends up being part of this, the, the issue is when people go to adopt, often they, and understandably, they want puppies. That's right. They want kittens because they want to see this animal grow. Uh, so it can be harder for, for these shelters to adopt out the older dogs. But this was, he uh, was just such a sweet dog. And, was uh, he about, what, eight years old? Eight years old. Yeah. And Greg said to me after, <laughs> Loren, he said, hey, dude, it's a good thing you live in an apartment where you can't have animals yeah, I know. because I mean, I'd have like 15 dogs by now. You'd be the crazy cat lady or whatever, like just with them all your shoulders and under your <laughs> shirts and then a dog walking you and there'd be one under your bed. And I've, and Greg's wife and I have texted a couple times when we have humane society in because <laughs> she knows what's going down. I'm like, I think you should get this dog. She's like, no dice, Mab. Keep him out of our house. <laughs> Three animals is enough right now. Thank goodness we don't have an acreage. Because we'd have all the animals, all of them, every single one. So once again, many thanks to you, our 680 CJOB family, for stepping out, stepping up and helping out the Winnipeg Humane Society in their time of crisis. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And once again, we, we, we do this to ourselves. We ask you to tell us stories. <laughs> And it's awesome. It's super fun. But then we put ourselves in this corner where we have to pick a winner. And today might just be the most impossible of days because we're getting so many excellent stories on the weird places you've found your pet. And those are the ones that we've managed to read. Yeah. Like, if if you don't hear your story read, we may not have even seen it because we've had dozens upon dozens upon dozens of stories. So thank you for that. So... We have made the difficult decision, and one of our runners-up, Loren, is uh, Daryl, who... (laughs) This is not a small animal, but it's rather nimble by the sounds of it. Forty years ago on the farm, we had a stray Norwegian elk hound, says Daryl, who just showed up in our yard one day. We advertised it, was never claimed, so we kept him. One day, Dad, brothers, and myself are shingling the roof on a shop we were building, and we could hear the dog barking. It seemed close. All of a sudden, the dog poked his head over the roof edge, announcing he was here to help. (laughs) It ended up that he climbed the ladder and could also climb down. Over the next few days, he would join us on the roof, wanting to be with us. He would also jump up on your lap whenever we could get onto the trike, lawn tractor, smaller tractor, sitting proudly in front of you, waiting to go for a ride. Whoever had him trained him well an elk hound is that not like a pretty tall dog it's a big fuzzy dog yeah it's i don't know the name a majestic beast but uh i had no idea that dogs could be that agile and nimble so that's fantastic daryl and just a beautiful dog as well um ernie greg is one of our another one of our runners up this was a difficult difficult choice yeah this is a west end story so it has a little bit of extra something from my perspective back in the 80s i was driving for zipper courier one day driving down wall street something crawled out from under the seat of my truck not knowing Uh, What it was at first, it scared the bejesus out of me. I came to a stop with one wheel on the boulevard. It was a young cat. Having done numerous deliveries that day, I had no idea where I might have picked it up. So I took it home. I called CJOB and the newspapers posting ads for a lost cat. I got no response, so I named her Bobby, and she was with me for eight years that's that's great ernie i'm glad that you got good a good eight years out of that surprise but um 
Speaking of surprise, Mark is our winner who put us all on the floor with this one. I was living in an apartment in South Osborne, says Mark, with my soon-to-be wife and sister-in-law. At that time, I had some snake eggs in an incubator from my pet corn snakes. While I was sleeping, eight small snakes hatched. Five of them escaped, much to my sister-in-law's chagrin while washing a pot in the sink. Three snakes poked their heads up out of the water. The pot went flying, water all over the kitchen. (laughs) I woke up to crashing pots and my sister-in-law moving out. I I bet. (laughs) All snakes were accounted for later that day. Hello. I'm I'm surprised your soon-to-be wife didn't become your soon-to-be ex-wife after that either. (laughs) My former fiance (laughs) from some time ago. What happened? Snakes. Snakes. <laughs> well, I was watching snakes dishes. on a plane. sink. <laughs> Mark, congratulations. You're going to the Bomber game on Thursday. Thanks once again to all who participated and shared with us your wonderful, wonderful memories. But right now, we want to follow up on something we discussed a bit earlier this morning, and that has to do with the fact that there might finally be some good news for Canadian Taylor Swift fans. Don't overreact here. We're not about to announce anything yet, but fans, of course, who have been distraught over the fact that her tour is not coming to this country at all, well, ET Canada has reported that a tour Twitter fan account has heard from a source that an announcement about Canada might be coming soon. They posted, quote, an industry source has confirmed with me that the Aeris Tour Canada is official, and in early planning stages. We can expect details soon, but possibly in early fall. ET Canada, Greg, they contacted Swift's rep for a comment. There's not been much of a comment back, but we know that even Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister, has weighed on this, saying, you know, like, uh, hello, it's me. Please uh, come to Canada kind of thing. (laughs) New phone. Who's this? Uh, (laughs) What are politicians weighing in on and asking Taylor Swift to consider? Their locale for a concert or concerts. Well, Swift, plainly put, is an economic juggernaut. Joining us to discuss this tour and the economic impact of other similar events, Senior Vice President of Venues Entertainment for True North Sports and Entertainment, Kevin Donnelly. Good morning, Kev. Hey, good afternoon. For, good morning, folks. How are you? Well, very well. Uh, Taylor Swift played IG Field back in 2013. Uh, quick yep. tri- trivia question. The opening acts that night back in June of 2013. Well, there might have been an opening opening, but the, the, the main opening was, of course, Ed Sheeran. He was, the, uh, he, he was the, like a star on the rise at that moment. And the fact that this young ginger walking around backstage went on stage by himself and performed in front of 35,000 people was just astounding to me. I'd never seen a kid just so unassuming walking around and then Five minutes later, he's up on stage in front of 35,000 people and owning it. It was quite remarkable. Yeah, one of the best videos on my Instagram feed right now is him playing his guitar and, and Lose Yourself, and Eminem jumps out on stage and joins him in Detroit. So, you know, Ed Sheeran aside, like, did you ever imagine that Swift would become, Taylor Swift would become an economic driver with basically cities, states, provinces, and countries clamoring for her to play shows in their stadiums? Well, I mean, she she is a phenomenon. Like, you know, she's in first place and second place is just so far behind. It's it's sort of hard to even fathom what what she has become as an international icon and an economic force. Like, these tours are so big, and to play multiple nights in stadiums, which means hotels and hotel stays, and you know, the, this era of uh, you know, resale tickets and the fact that you can, you know, you and I could pick any market, any any event tomorrow and go find a ticket for it. We just have to get there. Um, the fact that tickets can be transferred and sold makes every show a destination. People come from all over whatever the region is to go to any particular show. When you get to the scale of Taylor Swift, it's, it's a staggering economic um, achievement. It's a staggering economic reality that when a when a show comes of that size to your town it's like the super bowl it, it's 10 gray cups it, you know there's the cachet of just saying perhaps you know coming to canada or not or the insult of not coming to canada depending on how you look at it kevin but there's the idea here too that i think you know i don't want to give politicians 
too much credit, but I think that there's the economic spinoff that is the driver, right? Like that just those few days of landing in even one city, let alone maybe two or three, can make a huge difference in the economic fortunes of that city for that month, if not much longer than that. Well, it tells you that the competition for these shows is quite fierce. I mean, like, and so the economic windfall for each town. So, you know, when an opportunity like the Swift or, or the Stones or an Ed Sheeran show or any kind of stadium show, and this is true as you trickle down to arena shows and even theater events like Come From Away or Phantom of the Opera, those sorts of things, there is such a strong economic driver <clears throat> that it makes sense for communities to be prepared to have an enticement to say, don't pick Detroit, pick Toronto, and here's why. Here's the economic support. We'll give you free policing. We'll, we'll close roads. We'll do what you need to that saves the tour money that will entice them to pick this market over the next. And, and because it, it's just like it, it pays us back tenfold or a hundredfold. We as Winnipeg needs to get better at enticing these events to come to town with hard cash, with hard sponsorship, with real incentives to come because the, the, the economic numbers supported, you know, help us get these shows and everybody wins. You say that Winnipeg should do a better job. So is this a conversation or have there been conversations with the city to, to try to move that along? Uh, I mean, they're sort of always, but they're hard to get traction because you need, you need sort of a multitude. You know, the city has a typical answer of, well, we don't have the money. You've got to talk to the province. And the province says, well, you know, it really needs the federal support. And the feds don't want to compete with Alberta and Ontario and Manitoba. So it, it becomes a convoluted conversation. But, you know, it's why it's important for Winnipeg to have a strategy to get the Junos, to get the Canadian Country Music Awards, to be on the, a regular rotation for the Grey Cup, and maybe even more often than once every eight years. And, and any of these events really become, they're, 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 they're great bragging rights, they're great sort of awareness bringer, like uh, they bring attention to your town, but the sheer dollars behind it just pay back, you know, in an undeniable uh, math formula. Like it, these things do, they bring, they activate your restaurants, they get people on the streets, they bring people downtown, they, they stay in hotels, they ride public transit, the shop, you know, before and after the show, it's a flat-out winner. We just have to really recognize it. Other markets are recognizing it and putting incentives in front of these tours to come to their markets. Um, and, what, you know, whether it's not just touring shows, but, but festivals, creating festivals, supporting our festivals so that they become more of a tourist attraction from a greater region, um, it's critical. I know at least four families that have traveled elsewhere to see Taylor Swift, yeah. and that might have been as part of a previously planned vacation, KD, or or exclusively for that. So, you know, I know there will be people out there that choke on the idea of a $200, $300, or $400 ticket, but when Bruce Springsteen comes to my town, he's mm-hmm. saving me money because if I'm going to Minneapolis, I know it's a $2,000 weekend. Uh, Jackie and I have been wanting to go down the down I-29 to see Pink in Fargo in August. And when we did the math, it just, it's just it's cost prohibitive. But there are people who are going to pay that money to do that. There are people that are going to pay not only the $400 hit on the ticket, but what they pay and spend once they come to Winnipeg for the day before and probably the day after is kind of it's not peanuts but it's a it's a smaller part of the equation than people might realize uh, you know absolutely and and people from our town when they get tickets in Winnipeg to go see Bruce Springsteen well they layer on the activities they get their hair done their nails done they go downtown for dinner before they might even plan a staycation and stay at the altar one of the downtown hotels so they don't have to worry about driving to and from sort of thing so it's important for a downtown. It's important for your town. It's important for your province or your state for these events to come to your town, whether it's Taylor Swift or Grey Cup or, or any of these um, high-profile events that draw, that, that draw tourism, that draw attraction. So um, you can always do a better job. I think that we really need to wake up and, you know, like, let's come up with a concerted effort. Let's figure out how to support, how to respond when the Rolling Stones phone me. Who do I call and say, hey, I need a half a million dollars or it's going to go to Hamilton or it's going to go to uh, Fargo. Like, what is the number? What is the drivers? Let's make sure we're not losing to whatever the other market is. And so we stay competitive because it is a competition. She's only playing 
40 some cities and doing 100 shows and there's a whole lot more that want her to come to like toronto like vancouver like every other market in the planet um but there's a limited number and the competition gets quite fierce and money does trade hands we have to incent these tours and events to come to your town that's it's part of the part of the challenge these days there's those big acts like Brian, listener Brian, just texting now Kevin to say they're going to see Pink in Toronto next week. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift in Minneapolis and then Depeche Mode in Vancouver. I mean, there's people who will do those kind of concert tours. Those are on the big end. On the smaller end, you know, we were just talking to the Fringe Festival in the last hour just about, you know, bringing the community together in the exchange. And then there's the many fest that usually happens in the fall and isn't happening mm-hmm. this year. Can we just mm-hmm. talk a bit about that before we let you go? Because that also is, it's a different kind of draw. It's not a Taylor Swift draw, but it's also about the acts that bring people together. Yeah, that, that one was disappointing for us. That was a partnership between True North, the, Winnipeg, uh, the downtown Winnipeg biz, and, and a local event producer, guy, very credible uh, producer named Jason Smith. And Jason's, you know, it's a small, so it's a small community, small, um, you know, sort of resource team that puts that event on. Jason, of course, is, is connected with, he's the president of the Manitoba Sea Bears, mm-hmm. so he's incredibly busy this summer. And between his schedule, our schedule, and the construction on Broadway, we just couldn't. And it's a struggle to get sponsors. Back to what I said earlier, we need the support to put these things on because every activity has a long list of expenses that make the event happen. And so you need sponsors, you need ticket sales, you need whatever. Manifest was a free event. It relied on the tickets or on the sponsorship of those uh, supporting companies. It relied on the fee that the trucks paid, all that kind of stuff. So COVID eliminated a bunch of trucks. Sponsors were falling apart. And it just became more and more difficult for us to preserve was that event. Security so we part of it, it at all, Kevin? I'm just part curious if security was part of it at all. I, I completely get no, the dollar and cents equation for sure. Not in the least. I mean, security, that's an incentive for us to do more. We want, we want more people coming so that downtown is even more secure. Uh, the, you know, the struggles that we're having downtown, that does not discourage us. That encourages us to do more. Um, so that wasn't a factor at, at, at all, quite honestly. Um, it did, that one was just a combination of a number of factors. That's really an example of every event you do. There's a, there's always competing factors that make it tougher to do. Street parties, you know, around playoffs are not easy to do. But you know, you get the bit of momentum. You get the Jets community. We get support from sponsors, and they happen. But they take a ton of work and a ton of money. Um, so many fest. We hope it comes back next year. Uh, but these are all things that that you know it. It may look fun and easy, but it's a ton of work and a ton of planning and a ton of money. And we have to come up with the right structure to create the money, whether it's sponsors or government support or what have you, to, to make these things happen. Because they, they aren't easy and they aren't cheap. And when they do come, in a small scale like Manifest, it's beneficial. Or a large scale like Taylor Swift, it's a juggernaut. It's it's a lottery. So, uh, you know, there's lots is of Is she to coming done. to Winnipeg? That's the final question. Kluge <laughs> 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 used to ask you for years about Springsteen, Kevin. So we're just going to get the Taylor Swift combo going. Yeah, no, the, yeah, it just moved from one artist to the next. But yeah, not in the immediate future. Kevin Donnelly, Senior Vice President, Venues and Entertainment for True North Sports and Entertainment. Kevin, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for the time, folks.